Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. When the pandemic hit, many food writers understandably stopped sharing their negative experiences and instead focused on what could be celebrated at local restaurants. But late last year, a Willamette Week food writer published a controversial critique of a new restaurant that many in our city's food scene are still processing. So today on CityCast Portland, we ask the question, is the Portland food scene ready for bad reviews? And two of our city's top food writers have joined us for their best answer. Michael Russell from The Oregonian, and Brooke Jackson-Glidden from Eater Portland. If you like food and gossip, you're in for a meal. It's Thursday, April 13th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome to the show again, Michael and Brooke. Hi. So fun to be back. <laughs> Hello again. So this entire show came to be because last time Michael and I talked, he said that Portland wasn't ready for bad reviews. And it brought up the question, are Portland restaurant reviews generally more on the favorable side, would you say? I mean, didn't like Willamette Week get canceled for like a hot minute because of their negative take <laughs> on the restaurant con? Well, I wonder if I got sort of like canceled by association because i'm michael and the guy who wrote the review of con for willamette week is michael oh. so i i walked into con a few days later and the host says to me oh i was so mad at you for like a day and then gregory gorday is the <laughs> chef at con's like no 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 it's the other michael it's the other michael so yeah oh, uh, oh no oh that's so <laughs> messed up i'm Got sorry caught in the crossfire yeah ah well but just speaking like really generally, I think there are two main things operating against people who want to do criticism of restaurants that what we would call negative. Mm -hmm. In Portland, I think traditionally uh, we've been nicer. And I think that's true all across American yeah. criticism. And people always love to compare, you know, the New York critics to the London critics. The London critics go to a restaurant looking for things to hate. And trying to be as creative as they can possibly be with their insults, like they're writing for um, Veep or Succession or one of these shows. In America, we go kind of looking for things to love at a place. And I'm guilty of that, too. That's kind of my approach as well. Then the second major thing is we just went through a pandemic that really hit the restaurant industry hard. And I think everyone uh, in this industry for at least a year or two has been like, uh, OK, what do we do now? Do we still go into a place like looking for reasons not to like it, looking for reasons that your readers might not want to go to a restaurant and might not want to spend yeah. their money there. And I think we're just sort of starting to come out of that. The Willamette Week review uh, was, you know, maybe the first, you know, cannonball across the bow um, that he went there. And, 
you know, people obviously were very upset about it. I'm sure it was also like the most read story for Willamette Week last year. Totally. Yeah. For those who are just like, what, what, what happened? The Willamette Week put out a, a, a basically a negative review on Khan. Um, is it Greg Orday's new restaurant? Newish now. Yeah. And people were really upset because they thought the review was kind of biased in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't write traditional restaurant reviews um, at Eater. You know, we do maps. And there's the thing about maps that kind of works out well for me in a city like Portland is that it's more of you're opting in. If I don't necessarily think that a restaurant is worthy of a map, it's just not on the map. Exactly. I'm not as frequently delivering negative, you know, critiques of a restaurant um, in sort of a traditional restaurant review format, right? Um the thing I found interesting about Michael Zussman's review of Khan is that there were specific notes that he made in that review that were really clear, I think, triggers or, or things that people noticed that they felt frustrations with. So like critiques of how loud the restaurant was or critiques of the heat level of specific dishes. And those, I think, for specific people felt like very sort of pointed critiques that played into his sort of authorship or voice as a critic beyond necessarily the restaurant itself. The thing that's really tricky about restaurant reviews, right, is that they are inherently subjective. That You're going in and you're trying to evaluate a restaurant as fairly as you can, but, you know, it is it is based in opinion and you're trying to make the strongest argument you can for your feelings about a place. People are going to disagree with that. I think he makes some fair points in there. If you go and read it, the whole thing, he says it's too loud. He doesn't like the way that the, the tables for two are squished together in the corner, uh, which like if you're on a date, that's not maybe ideal to be right next to somebody. That's maybe like how you eat in New York City, but not in Portland. Criticizing the spice level at a Haitian restaurant owned by a black chef was one thing people really caught on to and said that he just doesn't like spice and, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think the noise level was a legitimate complaint about that restaurant. I think the seating was legitimate for me going in and seeing those things. They're not necessarily going to be deal breakers for me where I'm then going to frame an entire review around how this place is overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think he maybe, you know, I think given the level of hype that Khan got, and if your listeners aren't aware, this place was called the best restaurant in Portland by the local city magazine. It got on a list of New York Times 50 restaurants to visit right now, all within like the first six weeks, which is like a really fast amount of time mm-hmm, for that level yeah. of praise. Not to say it wasn't warranted, but I think there is kind of an element of um, I'm going to this place. I better have the time of my life, given yeah. that, that, you <laughs> yeah. know, given what I've read about it. I think Michael Zussman looks at this restaurant, this incredibly, incredibly praised, nationally, internationally praised restaurant. And he did. He went in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And you're also talking about a black queer chef that, you know, is one of very few nationally celebrated black chefs from Portland, the whitest major American city. And to have a sort of affluent older white man Mm -hmm. come in and say that the food is too spicy and the space is too loud. (laughs) It's it's just perfect. It's a perfect combo. It's, It's a tough question to answer whether or not some ingrained racism played into that that review of that restaurant. You know, Michael Sussman is going to self-eval and, and reflect on, I'm guessing. <laughs> you think so? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if, I think if, we'll if I got a critique like that, that would be something I would do, is mm-hmm. thinking, 
what kind of elements of me existing as a white person and white supremacy might impact in my reading of a place or an experience. But the flips, I mean, to sort of like play out what you're saying, and I, I, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying, you're sort of saying that at some level, con might be uncriticizable. And that's, mm, I mean, interesting. you know, I'm not saying you're saying that, but if you take that logic down the road, you know, it's a BIPOC restaurant. They hire BIPOC queer staff members. So now we can't say anything about it because now we're being well, racist or homophobic. But at the, oh, okay. They also have 20 investors. It was a $2 million plus sure. build up. Travel yeah. Portland paid for food writers to fly in for their opening day party. Like wow. this is a place. I didn't know this. Th- there were a ton of people who flew in. I, I had no idea how they funded that. Anyway. Travel <laughs> Portland funded that. Oh my God. Well, I've heard that from people close to Oh, so you're saying it's a rumor. So, okay. We're, we're yeah. talking rumors here. Okay. Yeah, we're talking. Rumor, rumor from people who would know. But uh, the city of Portland is universally pushing for con to be successful. And I think that also played a role in why the backlash was so severe to the negative. Mm. Because he was like, he was kind of popping a balloon. Um, You know, I think both sides of that are true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you believe in criticism, then no restaurant should be above criticism. So maybe his approach wasn't quite right. Like, have either of you ever been critical of a local restaurant? And uh, did you regret it? Uh, well, can we get can we get specific here? Because I feel like we're kind of talking about Brasa Aya a little bit. Oh God! What's, <laughs> is this? I don't. We oh, don't have to get Michael it. King to name names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God! I was so deeply traumatized. By okay, we don't have to go there if no, it's too personal. But uh, wait, no, what, it's fine. I don't. I've not heard of this place. Tell well, me what is okay. Because Brooke killed it. I I I Brooke Jackson Glidden killed that restaurant. No. So, okay. She didn't. She didn't. But <laughs> but she did so not this... put it on El Heat Map, which is the uh, Oh, oh know, so her, yeah. the non-heat map basically made this restaurant crumble. Yeah. So, again, I wrote nothing negative about this place. So, if we're talking about Brasaia, I I don't know if that would necessarily count with that specific question. Um but I will say it was like maybe one of the more high profile moments that I have been criticized for perceived negative press. Right. So I didn't actually write anything negative about this restaurant. Um, I did. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I was nice, but I, I'll have, so, okay, have to so tell me wrote, but... you go, you go. And then I can... break down the restaurant. Like what? It's no longer here. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a big okay, deal. So, like, yeah. So a guy who was the chef de cuisine at a pretty well-known San Francisco fine dining restaurant, moved up here and opened a pretty elevated tapas place during the pandemic at a time when everyone was closing and anyone who was opening was doing fast casual takeout only. It was super ambitious. I think it may have been pitched a little bit too upscale for that neighborhood. And meanwhile, like Ataula, which was just a fantastic Spanish restaurant in Northwest Portland, like probably one of the best Spanish restaurants in America. Like it couldn't make it. These guys really tried. They were really ambitious. I went in, I didn't love everything. Um, I think I wrote there were hiccups. Uh, I probably was the nicest about it out of anybody in the city. Um, Mm. I think when they closed, they decided to do an airing of grievances. And, uh, you know, the Willamette Week and Portland Monthly, maybe that got maybe they were criticized for not loving. I don't know what happened, but then Brooke also got mentioned for not putting it in the heat map. That's why. Oh my gosh. But just to say that this is what's so funny to me. Brooke eater is notorious, not notorious, but it's known. They don't talk shit. They celebrate. And I love that you still got called out for not celebrating. Essentially. We do write negative 
stories if someone well yes of course yes yes but we're not writing negative restaurant reviews but i think that with brasahaya i went i was very excited about this place and when i went it wasn't like one or two missteps every dish was just poorly executed things were under salted or over salted and the sort of like pinnacle of the meal was a spot prawn dish where the spot prawns were old Old. I mean, we can we know old when we see old. And I got food poisoning. <gasps> um, you got food poisoning from Brasahaya? And all well, you did was not put it on a map? And they called you out? <laughs> so here's here's what happened. I don't... I can't... <laughs> Look at Michael's face right now. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. So, I can't believe we're going here. I'm sorry, Brooke. Oh my, I'm so, so sorry you got food poisoning. Sorry, not That's sorry. Awful. Well, so who knows? Maybe it was something else. Yeah. But the, the chef emailed me, said, hey, I noticed that we weren't on the heat map or the 38. You have to be open for a year to be eligible for the 38. Uh-huh. And I said, um, you know, I ultimately did get sick um, when I was there. So, you know, I I go and I'll re-review places. I'll go check places out again. Something, you know, things come on and off the 38 all the time because I'll go, dips a little bit. I might take it off. I go back in a year. I come back. So I basically said that I was going to do that. And I did really, really intend to do that for 38 reviews, um, you know, as I'm prepping for a 38. What's a what's a 38? You keep saying 38. Oh, right. So, okay. There are two main maps, like the main flagship products of, of Eater. There's the heat map, which is like restaurants that have opened within the last six months. And the Eater 38, which are the essential Portland restaurants. Gotcha, right? gotcha. Like, so people, when they're coming in town, would also just look at that map as well. Okay. Right. So I was going to go and check it out again. And the restaurant announced its, announces its closure. And he, po- he does a, a, an Instagram post just for me, basically saying that I didn't give him a fair chance, that no one else got sick, that he kind of insinuated that I was maybe lying. Oh. Um, or that I could have gotten sick somewhere else that I could have gotten sick, you know, in some other way. And that I talk about being ill often online. And if I (gasps) have such a weak stomach, maybe I shouldn't be in this industry. Um, and I was pretty upset in the moment. Oh my God. Um, just because, you know, I do have chronic. I mean, I think most food writers have chronic stuff. You're you're eating a ton of rich food all the time. But Brooke's right. We go out to these rich restaurants where there's so much salt and fat and sugar, and then you walk away the next day. You're you you know you're just not feeling your best. Yeah. There's that. There's like a food hangover. Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. It's just from so consistently eating this way, right? And like, I feel very lucky to do what I do, but it's just sort of a part of the gig. This was different, right? Like these were mushy, mealy, old shrimp. You know what I mean? I've I've eaten professionally for a long time. They ended up emailing my my editor in chief. There was just like, it just was- It got personal. It got freaking personal. And I didn't write anything negative negative publicly. (laughs) You didn't even write anything negative. Okay, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss what makes a good critical restaurant review. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you go into a restaurant, like what are you looking for when you're writing your reviews? Like what is considered appropriate critique? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that if I can just go to a very specific recent example that sort of was the reason that uh, we're having this conversation. Funnily enough, Gregory Gourdet from Cannes, uh, a guy who he was on the same season of Top Chef with, Doug Adams, opened a brew pub last year. And I went to that brew pub uh, for a review and did not like my meal at all. And walked away kind of in a, I don't know if it was an existential crisis, <laughs> but I called a lot of people uh, who I trust and I say, wow, this place is just not working for me at all. Um, I ended up going back to that restaurant like six times, which, you know, I think the New York times always goes for three visits to every restaurant they review or more for me. If it's a place I've been and I'm re-reviewing, I might just go once, but in this case, I went back six times. I went for Doug Adams's special beer pairing dinner with Breakside. I went for their brunch. I went for his barbecue special. You were trying to find something to like about this I was, place. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. And if you yeah. read the review I wrote. First of all, you will come away with the sense that I did not love this restaurant and the framework of the review is maybe don't go unless you're going for one of these barbecue special events. Uh, and there are things to love. Whitney Burnside's beer at this brew pub is like really good. That's well, like some of the best beer, new beer from a brewery in the city. So the brew part is is working for the restaurant, but not the food part. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm not a restaurant consultant. I, I did say in there, maybe they could just do the barbecue thing full time. But I understand there's, you know, reasons why that might be difficult in close in Southeast Portland to just open a, a barbecue restaurant where there wasn't one before. So to answer your question about what do I go in looking for? I, I mean, I look to enjoy the food. There's value. The value proposition goes on in the back of my head, too, which is, you know, yeah. different for different people. But no, I think that, you know, something that a lot of times what separates like a good review from a great review is thinking about what are these people trying to do? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the sort of pitch here? And are they successful at that? And then sometimes there's also the question of like, does this need to be here? Like, does it actually make sense in this city at this time, yada, yada, yada. Mm. So like, I think that like, you can sort of ask that question in a specific way of Grand Fur that, you know, and, and again, thinking about like, if it were to go specifically barbecue or if it, you know, there might be the question of, is that something that that area needs? We know Doug Adams has had a lot of success in his career here. 
what would work here and what isn't working? You know what I mean? Th those are the kind of tough questions to ask yourself as you're like looking at a meal of food you don't necessarily enjoy. Right. Uh, to Brooke's point, Doug's someone who's had a lot of success here. He had a deep run on Top Chef. And, you know, this is someone who I would maybe argue he's one of the 10 best known chefs in the city, if not top five. I mean, so I think that makes a restaurant fair game for criticism, even if it's like a genre restaurant like this one was. I think that like often there is this argument about like, are we punching up or punching down? Exactly. Like if there is like a super no one really knows about it corner store restaurant and it's bad. There's no need really to, mm -hmm. to write a negative review of that place because it's not going to be going to be on anyone's radar until they're unless it's their neighborhood spot or they're like going out to seek it out. But like someone who is a national figure where people are going to seek out this restaurant, they know the person's name, even if it's just like a local celebrity or somebody who's opened restaurants that have been successful in the past. To me, in most major American cities, that's fair game for, mm -hmm. yeah, for critique. So like, so what is the benefit of actually having negative reviews? To me, the value in negative reviews is that sometimes people will save up money to go to a place. And if they save up money to go to a place and they have a bad experience, and it's a place that is generally considered like lauded. That sometimes is internalized. Like, I think it's my fault that I can't appreciate this yes. place. As opposed to just someone acknowledging like, yeah, this restaurant did not deliver its promise. So anyway, that's my like little soapbox. Yeah. Can I, <laughs> I, can I jump in there? Because, yeah, sure. you know, I got a lot of feedback on that Grand Fur review. And I would say the tone of maybe a dozen emails, which counts as a lot for me, but uh, the tone was, thank you for writing this. We felt the same way and we didn't know if we were crazy. The burger was boring. The fried chicken was dry. Like things I had written in my review and things that Doug, frankly, kind of has a reputation of being good at outside of this context. Like the, people were happy that they, they could see their experiences reflected in this review. And I think that's part of the benefit too. And I think that you develop trust in your audience, whether that's people reading a newspaper or watching your TikToks, by sometimes saying when you don't like things. Um, and it, it's hard because yeah. you feel like you're going to hurt someone's feelings. And, and and like I said, I thought long and hard about that review. But are there any other benefits of having negative reviews aside from, like, could you say that it would make our food scene better? This is an argument a lot of people make, is that criticism can give people insights that they might not necessarily get from their staff or from their regulars mm -hmm. about things that they're doing wrong. Personally, based on the current climate in Portland, I don't know if those critiques are being like that, that chefs are open to those critiques. A lot of chefs are feeling very afraid. They're in a financially perilous place. Mm -hmm. And there is a, I think a very valid defensiveness to if there's negative press out there about me, even if it's like a Yelp review, that could that could be the thing that shuts me down. Yet there are places I really champion that close. I think that that power that food writers have, I'm not going to say that it's not present, but I, I think that sometimes it is like overpitched that we can just shut down a restaurant in a way that I, I just don't know if that's necessarily true the way maybe it was 10 or 20 years ago. Did this help answer like what was rattling in your head, Michael? Because this is why we're talking is because you were kind of feeling a little weird about Grand Fur. Uh, do you feel like Portland's ready for these negative reviews coming from you and others? For me, that felt a bit like ripping the Band-Aid off of something. Um, mm. And I do think it's time, at least in terms of the pandemic, 
for us to be able to say that a restaurant opened by someone very high profile or that's open with a lot of money behind it, that to say if it's not very good. I mean, if I didn't believe that you could say that, I think it would be kind of tricky to do my job. And maybe someone like Michael Zeusman, frankly, Zeusman writing his very, very critical review sort of allowed me in my review that came out maybe a month later to walk more of a middle road between the people who were saying, this is the best restaurant to ever open in America. And Zeusman would be like, this place is overhyped. So thank you, Michael, wherever you are. Probably not listening to this, but (laughs) probably reflecting on implicit bias. If I had to guess what Michael Zeusman's doing right now. (laughs) What about you, Brooke? Final thoughts? Well, yeah, I think it's incredibly important that we have the ability to hear critique and communicate critique. And you can have critiques of critiques. We can have feelings about Michael Zussman's review. But I I do think negative reviews, I do think we're ready for them. I just hope there is, again, that reminder, that, that, that thing that people fall back on, which is that a critique is not a condemnation. And now for your microdose of news. Oregon missed its climate goals for reducing carbon reduction by 19% in 2021. Now, the state's targets are tied to international goals designed to prevent the worst effects of climate change, a target our state was supposed to achieve by 2020. A report from the Oregon Global Warming Commission says Oregon needs to enact a set of more aggressive actions that go beyond existing programs and policies to prevent falling even further behind. And a student is recovering after being stabbed by fellow teens outside Rike Elementary School in the Hillsdale neighborhood. Last week, a 13-year-old was assaulted and left with a punctured kidney. The two teens who tried to steal a $20 bill before the stabbing are in custody, facing robbery and assault allegations. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.